Welcome to the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam, and while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 7. Well, last week, we went a little over our 20 minutes. So this week, I promise to do everything I can to keep us on track. Now, if you remember at the end of last week, the people were gathering together at Mizpah to repent, to return to God, to cast out their idols and their violence and their sexual immorality. And they were met with attack because the Philistines, instead of truly repenting, right? They experienced the judgment of God. Instead of truly repenting, they see God's people coming together and they attack. And that's the difference. What makes the difference between God's people and not God's people? Let me tell you, part of it has to do with repentance. That Israel experienced the judgment of God. Seventy people at Beth Shemesh died because they mistreated the holy things of God. But they repented and they came together at Mizpah. Seven months after their defeat, the Philistines' hands, they came together and repented. The Philistines experienced the judgment of God and they send a guilt offering and they send the ark back, but then they continue in their worship of false gods. They don't cast out their immorality. They don't repent of their sins. They don't turn to the true God. They attack his people. Verse 7, when the Philistines heard that they had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines, and they said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. This is the right response. They are afraid. Okay, that's totally normal. But they respond by keep seeking God. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed a whole burnt offering to the Lord, and he cried out to Yahweh on Israel's behalf, and Yahweh answered him. When Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But the day the Lord thundered with loud thundering against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The man of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to the point of beth Car. So when you think about it, what's happening? They are having a time of repentance at this place called Mizpah. And for several days, they have been fasting. So they're, they're not eating. They are not at full strength. They have been repenting. They have been worshiping. They have been getting rid of false idols. They are not ready for a battle. But the Philistines come in in full battle mode. And it says that they prayed. They worshiped God. It reminds me um, of the spiritual battle that we are often in. And uh, when I was, I was like 20 years old, something like that, I was living in England, and I was invited to go on an evangelistic outreach team to London. And a couple times in my life while I was living there, I got invited to go to London specifically uh, to do some evangelism work uh, in addition to the evangelistic work I was doing in Manchester. And so I said, sure, that sounds fun. I love London. And they, I said, what do you want me to do? And it's interesting, both times I went on, on these teams, uh, it was music. And, and they said, we want you to just worship God. O okay. And, and, and what their thinking was, 
was we are going into spiritual battle. We are going to tell people about Jesus on the streets of London. And we want God at the center of it. So it wasn't like in the other trip where I did music in London, where it was, hey, we were getting a band together, and the purpose of getting a band together is to sort of draw a crowd, and then we draw the crowd, and somebody's going to preach the gospel. Okay, that's cool. I've done that plenty of times. So I played bass and uh, I played bass on a street in a street band in London for a week, and that was a lot of fun. And we did some some cool stuff. But in this case, the 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 team that was being put together, a uh, British guy just said, "Hey, I I want the praises of Jesus to be in the streets as we are around telling people about Jesus." So, okay, so I did that, and and it's that kind of understanding that a battle is coming. So what did they do? They sacrificed, which was their form of worship, and they sought the Lord. The battles are raging. The storms are raging around us. What do we do? We don't need a sacrifice because Jesus is our sacrifice. But we can pray. We can be in communion together. We can take communion together. We can submit ourselves to God's word together. We can sing the praises of God together. And that's what they did. And so as the Philistines are coming down, uh, there's a storm. There are superstitious people, which we found out last week. And so uh, that freaked them out and put them into confusion and disarray. And so the the Israelites, uh, they probably had a few weapons with them, or maybe just they had, you know, like sticks or something. I mean, there's probably a few people with swords, probably some people with like pitchforks or farming equipment. Uh, And then there's probably just people that like just ran and used their own fists, you know. But they're in such confusion that Israel is able to drive them out to the border at beth Ker. Verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, and thus saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Traditionally, uh, this word Ebenezer means judge. Or sorry, uh, Ebenezer means stone of help. I'm reading the wrong thing there. So Ebenezer means stone of help. So this idea that uh, Ebenezer is is this memorial stone, this is where God helped us. This is where God was with us. I said last week that the the stone they placed the ark on was sort of a, um, a national monument. It's the same idea. They had these memorial stones throughout Israel, and they said at this spot, this is where God delivered us, saved us. In our own lives, we can have memorial stones. We can say, at this point, this is where God delivered me. In this moment, this is where God's strength was with me. And we can look back and we can see how God has worked in our lives. And, and so this idea, you know, um, sometimes in old hymns, you'll hear them talking about Ebenezer's. And it was, it's this stone of help, this memorial stone. Uh, um, the uh, uh, Come thou fount of every blessing. I was trying to think of the name of the hymn, has a line about here I raise my Ebenezer. I don't think we actually, I think that's a verse we skip in our church. But there's a line of here I raise my Ebenezer, here I raise my my memorial stone, remembering all of the times that you have helped me, O God. Verse 13, so the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns of Ekron, to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. So apparently the Philistines weren't just oppressing the Israelites, but they were also oppressing the Amorites. And so 
the Israelites did the Amorites a solid and said, hey, we're not just going to deliver you, but we're going to help our neighbors. And so the Amorites were like, all right, we're cool. We're not going to fight you. You guys helped us out. And I, I've said this so many times, and I believe this, that as God is working in our lives individually and our lives collectively as a church, that that blessing will extend outside of our four walls, outside of our community, into the larger community around us. That as we live in repentance and as we live in the power and the blessing of God, and you can go back on our podcast from our Sunday stream uh, a couple weeks ago where I talked about living in supreme blessing through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. But as we live in the blessing of God, it will be a benefit and a blessing to the world around us. Israel finally got their act together. They repented. They turned to God, and it helped out the Amorites, their neighbors. Verse 15, Samuel continued as Israel's leader all of the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all those places, but he always went back to Ramah, where his home was. And there he also held court for Israel, and he built an altar to the Lord. So he has taken on leadership. Again, like we said uh, in the previous episode, he's the last of the Old Testament judges. He's the first of the Old Testament prophets. He's standing in the gap for the priests. Now, by the time King David comes around, uh, the, the, the Levites are again acting as the priests in Israel. And my suspicion is that seven months prior, when thousands and thousands of Israelites died in battle and the Philistines captured the ark, that it wasn't just Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of the high priest that died, but that so many adult Levites died that Samuel had to stand in the gap until their children were old enough to do the job that the Levites were supposed to do as priests before God. Sometimes I feel that way, that like maybe our generation's job is to stand in the gap until God raises up another generation to go forward. I'm not saying that's how it is. I'm just saying that's a speculation I've had. But this idea is that Samuel is, is serving in multiple roles. He's standing in the gap. God kind of tends to separate the roles. There's prophet, priest, and king. God tries to, you see it throughout the, the majority of the history of the Old Testament, that God keeps those roles separate. Sometimes somebody would be both a prophet and a king. Sometimes somebody would be both a priest and a prophet but they weren't supposed to all happen at the same time. This is an unusual situation. And what happens sometimes is the church will look at history or they will look at the Bible and they'll point out some unusual situation and try to make that normative. And then they'll say, well, that's how it should be because it fits our current situation better. They go, well, that's, that's not the norm. That wasn't the normative practice. Um, there's, a, there's a reason why. I, I believe that there, God calls leaders to lead the church, but I don't believe that I should be doing everything. It's not healthy and it's not wise. And so I'm thankful for other leaders who lead with me and, and that we have this kind of uh, balance in our church. You know, we, we went all online a couple weeks ago because I had a COVID scare. That decision wasn't just made by me. I sent a text out to the uh, leadership team called the Pastor Parish team. Uh, they kind of work as an advisory council with me. And I said, hey, this is a situation. What do we think? And really, they made the decision for me. And they actually stood because I was sick. And I didn't have COVID, um, but I had something, and I was pretty sick. And uh, so they actually kind of stood in the gap and did some things for me. I appreciated it. 
So this idea is that Israel is returning to a national identity from being fragmented. Uh, there's an altar for the Lord. So there's a need for an altar because they're worshiping God again. They've cast out their, their false idols, their false gods, and they're returning to the worship of the true God. Now, chapter 8, verse 1, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second was Abihah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow in his ways, and they turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. So you see them falling back into the same pattern. Eli was the high priest, and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were wicked men, and Eli did not correct them. Samuel was a good guy. Samuel was a good guy. Samuel was doing what was right, and yet he followed the culture of the day, the custom of the day, and he put his sons in positions of authority, and they were not good guys. Hereditary rule is a bad system. My sons, if they're called to pastor, then that's great. Praise the Lord. I'll send them to some other church to pastor. Hereditary leadership within a church is a sketchy thing. Now, that's a funny thing to say because the church I grew up in is pastored by the son of the pastor who was there when I was a kid, and he's a friend of mine, a lifelong friend. He's a good guy, and I don't question that he should call, she, she should be the pastor of that church. But that's not a normative thing. Like Samuel, like we just said, that's a, that's a, a thing that's unusual. And so the people came together in verse 4, and they gathered together, and they came to Samuel, and they said to him, Hey, you're getting old. Your sons do not follow in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all other nations have. The priests had failed. Samuel was a good guy, but his sons weren't. So this system of judges didn't work, because we have a judge, and then... That judge goes away, and then we have trouble again. We need a, a stable form of leadership is what they're saying. And that makes sense. But they say, now appoint us to kings such as all the other nations have had. So instead of saying, can we go before God to seek God to say, what does he want us to do? They say, let's just do it like everybody else does. It's amazing how many Christians think that the church should be run on the basis of the American Constitution. Now, I'm all in favor of checks and balances. I just kind of mentioned that a minute ago. And I, I like the American Constitution, uh, especially since we've amended it so that there's no like, you know, everybody's fully human, if you, if you understand that reference. But the church is not to be based off the American Constitution. And it's amazing how many people just say, we're just going to run the church however the world around us does it. Just as the people said, hey, every other nation has a king, give us a king. Did God give them a king? Did God establish Israel to have a king? No, it was established to be a theocracy, ruled by God. But the people said, here's a problem. And instead of seeking God with a solution, they just said, hey, let's just do it like everybody else. Verse 6, they said, give us a king to lead us. This displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as a king. And as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. So Samuel is bothered by this. And he goes to God, and God's answer is, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. God was supposed to rule over his people directly. But the people said, no, we want a king. 
It's not good enough. We want a ruler. We want, we want something that we can, can tangibly see. And God said, you know what? You guys have rejected me from word go, from day one. You made it, your forefathers made an agreement. I will be your God. You will be my people. And they said, yes. He said, if you keep all of my ways, will you keep all of these laws? Yes. And they never did. And he says, they're rejecting me, not you. But it can feel like it. You know, when, when I've shared the gospel with somebody and they reject it, they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting Jesus, but it feels like they're rejecting me. When, when I share the word of God with somebody, even a believer, I share the word of God and they just say, well, I'm going to ignore you. It, it's God that's being rejected, but it feels like they're rejecting me. And that's an understandable place that Samuel finds himself. And God's saying, hey, the real thing is they're rejecting me. You know, um, I'm going to say that's something we always have to be aware of. If, if, if I am rejecting somebody, am I actually rejecting them or am I rejecting God speaking through them? And that's something I always have to pray through and pray about. Somebody comes and, and says, hey, I think we need to do this. I'm like, nope. Wait, is the Lord possibly speaking? Let me pray about that. So the Lord says, all right, let them know what this will be like. There's plenty of things that I believe God has allowed his people to do. I mean, Jesus, you know, they came to Jesus and they said, you know, why is it that Moses allowed for divorce? And Jesus said, it was because of the hardness of your heart. Divorce isn't a good thing. Divorce is a bad thing. But you guys are so hard-hearted, so stubborn, that Moses said, all right, fine, we're just going to create a system so that you're going to do this. Let's figure out a way that you can do this and, and make it as least horrible as possible. But then people go, oh, it's okay. God's okay with my getting divorced because there was a thing in the Old Testament about divorce. There's a thing in the New Testament about divorce. And there are, but it's not a good thing. I have friends who are divorced and I don't think that they were in any kind of sin or fault in their divorce, but they'll tell you, oh, it wasn't a good thing. God's grace is huge and God's mercy and, and, and moving us forward is so big. But we look around and we say, oh, you know, we're going to do this thing just like everybody else. And God says, all right, fine. This is what it'll be. And you say, well, God's still working in my life. Yes. But it doesn't mean that there's not a cost to us for not walking in the ways of God. So Samuel told the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. And he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve as chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. So uh, he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys will be his to take for their own use. He will give a tenth of your flocks and yourselves will become his slaves when he comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. And they will be like, then we will be like all the other nations. A king will lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord and the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. And then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your own town. So next time we'll see how God uh, tell Samuel, go for it. And Samuel starts the process of finding a king. But the bigger thing to end with is this. God's being permissive. All right, this is the way you want to go, but there's a consequence to it. You know, you think having a king is so great? 
You haven't had to pay any taxes. You think having a king is so great? You, you have lived f- freer than any other people on the planet at that time. That's going away. You want to do your own thing? You want to live and ignore the, the, the word of God? You want to ignore the counsel of other believers? You want to go off and say, this is the way I think is right and I'm not going to listen to you? That's fine. This is the, the consequence of it. I would just rather listen to what God says. I want to thank you for joining us again for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. Audio versions are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill. You'll also find our Sunday gatherings there as well and any other online content that we put out. Video versions are available on our Facebook page. We're at Faith on Hill on both social medias, Facebook and Instagram. We gather together every Sunday morning in person and online at 10.30 a.m. And small groups meet throughout the week. You can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com for more information. My name's Adam. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.